Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to a special breaking news edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast. Today, another FBI agent has stepped forward to claim retaliation related to the agency's January 6th activities and disclosures. Well, another FBI agent is stepping forward to claim retaliation related to the agency's January 6th activities and disclosures. According to a complaint filed with the Inspector General, the agent named Marcus Allen internally alerted his FBI colleagues to what he saw as misleading testimony by FBI Director Christopher Wray about the FBI's role in the January 6, 2021 pro-Trump demonstrations at the U.S. Capitol that turned violent. Marcus Allen is not alone, as you will hear in today's podcast. We're getting the lowdown from Tristan Levitt of the whistleblower advocacy group Empower Oversight. And while we're at it, we're going to ask Tristan about another breaking news story, this one about alleged retaliation against a whole team of IRS agents working an undisclosed but high-profile investigation, apparently of great political importance that they're not allowed to specifically identify. Here's Tristan Levitt. So I have worked with with whistleblowers for about the last decade or so. My first uh, job after law school was working with Senator Chuck Grassley. And so uh, working with John Dodson, the whistleblower in Operation Fast and Furious, was my real introduction to that. And then I handled handled Senator Grassley's whistleblower policy. Uh, After working with him for four years, I worked on the House Oversight Committee and then was the number two at the U.S. Office of Special Counsel and then uh, led the U.S. Merit Systems Protection Board for a time before being confirmed by the Senate to that board. So I've worked extensively with whistleblowers over the last decade. I was thrilled to leave and join Empower Oversight. It was started by my partner, Jason Foster, who had worked with me in Senator Grassley's office. And it's really just a continuation of what we were doing on the Hill, trying to get information to decision makers and ensure that whistleblowers are protected when they come forward to share matters of clear public interest um, that, that too often don't see the light of day. We have a lot of news on that front to get to, but it's starting to occur to me, would you say there's a war on whistleblowers going on right now? Well, that's an interesting question. I I would probably say that no one's ever been happy to see whistleblowers now or in the past, so I don't know if it's, if it's a new thing to call it a war, but um, there certainly are a lot of whistleblowers right now, and you know, various camps are going to fight back against that. So, you know, I draw what conclusions you will. I think it's a, again, no, no one's ever been happy about that. Senator Grassley always likes to say that whistleblowers are the skunk at the garden picnic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are just so many at this moment coming forward that I think inevitably you're going to see the impact. You're going to see the retaliation on some of those individuals. And I think that's the sad part that when true whistleblowers, not just political whistleblowers, are coming forward the way they've been treated historically and are being treated today, teaches other people not to come forward, sadly, instead of encouraging more people to come forward. Let's talk about this new case with the IRS. Can you give us maybe a paragraph of background on the whistleblower that came forward to talk about a Hunter Biden investigation and what's happened now to that team? So just to clarify, I can I can talk about our IRS whistleblower. We, we have not confirmed in any way what case he is blowing the whistle on. So that's okay. that's a piece that I can't confirm or deny. But we I do represent a senior criminal investigator 
um, supervisor from the IRS and the team he oversees has been working a case for multiple years. It's an investigation into a high profile controversial individual. And so we helped him uh, a, few, a few weeks ago to contact Congress. There are very strict protections on taxpayer identities that apply with criminal penalties, even to congressional staff. And so it, for, for anyone that's dealing with a tax case blowing the whistle there, they have to be very, very careful with that. So that's why we sought protection from Congress. We wrote to the right committees and um, this whistleblower wanted to do it in a bipartisan way. He doesn't view these allegations as political in any way. He just wanted to ensure that, you know, he feels like there is, a, you know, an abuse of justice here because of this preferential treatment um, that that appears to be politically motivated. And so that's why we have been working with this individual. But yeah, we uh, just today learned that he and his entire team have been uh, removed from the case. And that looks like pretty clear retaliation to us. There are, you know, in addition to the laws which protect whistleblowers, generally, there are also very specific laws about communicating with Congress. And that right has been protected for over a century. And so this is really a big deal and is extremely problematic. And your group has written a letter to, I guess, to the IRS commissioner and some other people asking about this or basically wanting to know, putting them on notice, this looks like retaliation. Yeah, that's exactly right. We actually addressed the letter to the same congressional committees um, because that's who, who we've been in contact with. Certainly our clients' supervisors are, are aware of what he's been doing, and so we, we copied them as well to put everyone on notice that this is unacceptable. But you know, ultimately, Congress um, you know, has, has prerogatives to hear this information, and so we expect that they'll also be very engaged in protecting these lanes of communication and in wanting to see this retaliation undone. Well, one important thing we want to talk about, we'll keep our eye on that, is a new whistleblower. There have been several we've heard about from the FBI, but now there is yet another one. Give us a little background on this and what he's blowing the whistle on. Yeah, absolutely. So Marcus Allen is an individual that um, has worked for the FBI for a period of time. Um, he's an analyst and had, you know, his job was to help provide the individuals in his office with situational awareness of, of things that could impact their operations and their investigations. And so over the course of 2021, he, can, he provided regular updates to his supervisors and others um, that he was working with, including in the Joint Terrorism Task Force in that area, uh, about in, you know, updates related to the January 6th investigations. And, uh, you know, he wasn't shy about that, but that was, again, part of his job. But things really changed for him um, when, at a period of time, he sent out to them information. Uh, at the time, the New York Times had just uh, issued a story reporting that there was a confidential informant um, in touch with the FBI who was present on January 6th, who was essentially you know, real time communicating with his supervisor. And this New York Times story, uh, you know, really kind of stood in contrast with testimony that FBI Director Chris Ray had given to the Senate, and specifically with Amy Klobuchar, who had given him this sort of, oh, shucks, don't you wish you had known at the time that January 6th was happening? Don't you wish you had informants there who could tell you what was going on? And Director Ray really kind of pivots 
leaving the impression that there were in fact none and um and just says well we try to get the best information we can but again this this story really raised questions for a lot of individuals including within the fbi and so mr allen shared that out uh with those in his office and said this this you know doesn't look good we likely need to keep an eye on this you know for situational awareness and be cautious moving forward and, and then let me, let me clarify because it's a little bit complicated tell me if i have this correct he was basically saying that christopher ray implying they didn't have informants or federal agents inside january 6th was troublesome because the fbi knew otherwise at least some of the ground level agents so he was telling other his peers in the joint terrorism task force or whatever that hey washington dc is putting out information that might not be accurate. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And again, it was purely, you know, he that's part of his job to highlight for others in his office where there are potential, you know, landmines in their investigations and in the things they're doing. So he viewed this as a very straightforward uh, update to his office. But it, it triggered an immediate response. He was taken aside by supervisors and spoken to um, there, there, it clearly, you know, there was concern within the office and, and it became clear that they didn't like, you know, what he had to say about director Ray and ultimately, uh, his security clearance was suspended uh, a couple of months later. And, you know, this, this, the reasoning, the rationale that was, uh, given when he had an interview with them tied into to this interaction and to these communications that he sent up the chain in good faith. And so this is something that uh, we have uh, filed with the Department of Justice Inspector General. They investigate retaliation for justice employees that involves a security clearance. Um, he hasn't been given authorization himself to speak about it to the public, but um, you know we we recognize this is a significant fact pattern, and he will be testifying this Thursday before the House Judiciary Weaponization Subcommittee. And, uh, you know, we think it's important that people are aware this is this is an example of security clearances really being misused to get back at whistleblowers. There's more than just him. I've heard I've actually spoken to some current and ex agents. And I know some of some of them, if not all of them, maybe have been in touch with you. I don't know which ones have or haven't spoken to your group that I've spoken to, but others have complained to the same thing. There there are FBI agents more than just a couple who are speaking out on various issues, such as the public case of Stephen Friend, an agent at the time who refused to take part in what he saw as heavy-handed SWAT raids of nonviolent January 6th suspects who may have committed no more than a first offense misdemeanor trespass, that they were pulling out armed SWAT teams to take care of these guys and take them into custody. And he feels he was retaliated against, his security clearance pulled, when he said he wasn't going to take part in that. But I'm told there are a number of people that are inside the agency suffering. Maybe they haven't spoken publicly yet, but the same kind of threats of retaliation and having security clearances pulled because, you know, they're not going along with this or they want to speak out internally against what they think is improper, if not, if not worse. What do you hear? Yeah, it's a very concerning trend. And we, we are representing uh, Steve Fred, and he'll be at this testifying this hearing, as will I, on Thursday. But, yeah, they're not alone, and we are hearing that from others. And as you say, 
it's people are afraid to speak up about it, right? And so if your clearance is suspended and then you you are out there agitating against the agency, I think people are afraid that that's going to guarantee you that it's ultimately revoked because the suspension, right, is just that first step that says we're considering whether or not to to in you know to ultimately revoke. And so, you know, they're in limbo for a time. And so if the agency takes that revocation, then then that's done. They have no access to that. But even while it's suspended, they can't work. They can't access their the materials that they would use to do their job. Um, in Marcus Allen's case, he hasn't been able to even get approval for an outside job. And so he just hasn't been able to provide for his family while he's stuck in this limbo. But again, this is not a tactic that's only being used with a small number of individuals. And I think that's part of what the weaponization subcommittee is so interested in, that for a large swath of individuals within the FBI, this seems to have been how a lot of people were treated. Well, there is a not insignificant school of thought that says when whistleblowers speak out, particularly FBI whistleblowers, they end up paying the price, but nothing really changes. And I think a lot of people feel that our federal agencies, the FBI being one of them, are pretty compromised at high levels and that nothing's going to change and that Congress hasn't done a good job on whatever it could do or could have done along the way in terms of oversight for their improper surveillance and other behavior that's been exposed in over the years. What do you think it's going to take? How many whistleblowers or even can that change things or get Congress to do something meaningful? Well, it's a two-part thing, right? So one part is having whistleblowers, having second part is finding the remedies. So it's one thing to, to highlight the problems, but you've got to figure out what, what changes, whether they are statutory changes or regulatory changes or just policy changes, what are the things that need to happen in order to, you know, overcome these obstacles? And, and that's not always a straightforward answer. So in this case, I think doing this oversight into how the FBI is using clearances is one procedural way to approach it. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we have communicated to the Department of Justice Inspector General ought to be investigated. Um, and I think that that kind of procedural investigation is useful because on any given day, there's going to be a new controversy, right? There's going to be a new new conflict. And, you know, at the end of the day, those will all have their own different different answers, their own different solutions. But part of why protecting whistleblowers is so important is because if you have a process, then then you have a way that you can continue to hear the information that you need in order to do that oversight. So I think addressing the issue of the FBI suspending clearances of whistleblowers is a very meaningful step that helps keep the lines of communication open for others to come forward and highlight other problems that the FBI is experiencing. And so to me, that's really the first first thing needs to be done, because otherwise people will keep quiet. They will not. It will not be worth the risk to them to lose their jobs, to lose their security clearance, which is, of course, such a valuable thing. If you want to consider switching jobs to another agency, you've got to have that clearance. But so protecting this is, I think, part of what Congress needs to focus on so they can continue to get the on the ground information about other challenges within the Bureau. Let's um, briefly revisit the case that you brought up, Fast and Furious, which you were heavily involved in exposing with Sen and Senator Grassley some years ago. And that was the case where under the Department of Justice, with knowledge from the White House, we think because records were ultimately withheld by the Obama administration referring to this, but the Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Agency was allowing thousands of weapons to go to the Mexican drug cartels, basically arming the Mexican drug cartels 
with federal agencies knowing it and watching it, denying it initially, all of it was proven. And a lot of this exposed thanks to John Dotson, you mentioned, and sitting ATF agent who exposed and told on a lot of this, these guns were being used to kill and murder these guns that we were trafficking and the, U you know, the U.S. was allowing to be trafficked, including a Border Patrol agent, Brian Terry. Dotson um, almost lost his job, I think, so many times, but Senator Grassley, maybe you were helping him do this, really stepped in there every time they got an inkling. You guys thought that John Dotson might be fired for retaliation, and he's still technically employed with ATF today. I think he's able to finish yep. out his career there. That's so unusual because we're talking that's been what 10 15 years now yeah that's right so it was 2011 when when most of that came to the to the public knowledge and that's part of why i why whistleblowers are so important from my perspective right they are underdogs and john is just such a good example of the underdog in a sense prevailing obviously and you you've you've continued to talk to him over the years as have i i think there are times that if you'd asked him was it worth it he might not be willing to say yes right but um, you know, standing where he is today, being able to successfully retire this year. Um, it's so inspiring to me that what he stood up for made such a difference that he was able to to stay with the bureau, with the ATF. And um, but it but it did require a lot. And yeah, while I was with Senator Grassley and, and after that. Right. Then it, it continued to crop up that they were always looking for an angle to get rid of John. And, um, you know, that's part of why you just have to be so vigilant about protecting whistleblowers. But again, he's such an inspiration to me, and he's really a big part of why I kind of started down this path over a decade ago. And I was just telling someone the other day how topsy-turvy and out of control these agencies are when you look at John, because once they acknowledged that everything he said was true after holding him out as a liar and claiming you know none of this had happened, ultimately all of it was admitted to. But instead of him being given sort of a hero's award, and being held up, I mean, the Department of Justice should have held him up and said, this is the kind of employee we want to expose wrongdoing. If you're seeing it, we want to be on the up, up and up. Congratulations to John. Instead, they really held him up to ridicule. They promoted the parties that were involved in the cover-ups of the Fast and Furious operation while they were ostracizing John Dodson, the guy who exposed it. It's just so backwards in our inside our federal government in many instances now for the whistleblower. That's very true. And and that can be disheartening for sure. And I, you know, I, I have been glad to see over the years that the Department of Justice Inspector General, you know, they used John as part of a training video to help encourage other whistleblowers. And I think that was a positive thing. And again, the fact that he's been able to keep his job is a good thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, Departments and agencies have political leadership and even, you know, underneath that political leadership, right, there are career individuals and no one likes to, to be made to look bad. And that's just a human response. And so, you know, again, it's it, it is so unfortunate that that's the way that they responded. But again, in my from my perspective, that's just human nature. So you just got to fight against that. Right. You just got to keep protecting the people that are doing the right thing and brushing back the folks that are trying to come after them. And, and again, that's what you see with this IRS whistleblower, but that's why it's such a, a noble fight from my perspective. Well, I have one more comment. I'll let you finish then with a closing comment, but mine has to do with the idea that the media, at least when I was working at CBS News and before that CNN, I worked at PBS, now I'm independent on full measure with Cheryl Atkinson. 
But there was a time when we were all looking to hear from legitimate whistleblowers, not people that were, you know, grinding axes for political reasons, but people who had real things inside corporations and federal agencies that they were exposing at great personal risk. Now the media does not want to hear from these types of people so much. I'm hearing this all the time. In fact, too often the media now that things have changed in the past 10 years or so with media, they look to smear the whistleblower. They're kind of on the side of what I guess some of us would see as the bad guys if you're talking about the people that are doing things wrong. Um, the media siding with them trying to discredit the whistleblower instead of digging in to see what parts of the story you know have merit and are impactful and should be covered. So I'll, I'll ask you for your comment on that thought of mine about the change in the media's coverage of whistleblower stories. It's disappointing. And, you know, my, my wife actually studied broadcast journalism in, in college. And it's funny because when we were dating, I would kind of rib her about the mainstream media. Right. And it, 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 it was just such a different thing back then though. Right. And she would say, look, if it wasn't for the media, if you didn't, if you didn't have them to hold people accountable, right, where would you be in government? And, and she's absolutely right. And I knew that. Right. And so investigate, you know, congressional investigators and investigative journalists have a lot in common. But media is so fragmented these days and people just promote the narratives that they want to hear. Right. And there's a lot of commercial incentive in that. So I don't know how we get to a place where there is that kind of acceptance or, or willingness to protect whistleblowers where everybody can be able to accept, you know, whether or not you agree with someone. It's important to still protect them, nevertheless, even over small things, from my view, because you never know when someone with the really next big thing is going to look at the person with the small disclosures that gets axed at the agency and say, no way am I going forward with this. But so media has a responsibility. They have a duty to uphold. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in a heck of a lot of hurt if they don't take that responsibility seriously. Well, it's certainly good that there are organizations like yours, which is relatively new, Empower Oversight, and people like you, Tristan and Jason Foster, who are experienced dealing with whistleblowers and the pitfalls, you know, it, we're lucky you're continuing this work because it's needed and the whistleblowers need somebody to go to for information and advice and help protect them. And I'm really glad you're out there doing it. We'll continue to follow these cases. Thank you so much. I'm passionate about it. We appreciate people like you who cover these stories. Marcus Allen, Stephen Friend, who I interviewed on my program Full Measure on TV, and Tristan Levitt of Empower Oversight will all be testifying this week, Thursday, May 18th, at the House of Representatives Committee looking into the weaponization of our federal agencies. Eyeshadow has come a long way since you swiped on one color at a time or practically had to take a master class in cosmetics to get the shading right. Hi, I'm Star, owner of the Lemonade Mermaid, and I've designed an exclusive shade-shifting multichrome pigment for eyes that's like no other you'll ever see. Just swipe it on your eyelids and the magic happens. Depending on the angle and light, it shifts between hues of gold and pink, or green and pink, and even purple and gold. The shading is done for you. Just $25 for a jar that will last you months. My website is store.lemonademermaid.life. And listeners of this podcast can get 20% off these incredible pigments by using the checkout code PODCAST. I hope to see you at store.lemonademermaid.life today. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, you'll leave a great review and share it with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, for more original reporting and interviews on off-narrative topics that powerful interests often try to censor. It's never been more important to support independent reporting. You can do that by going to the CherylAckeson.com website, click the store tab and browse our great products. The most popular new slogan that I have on products there is, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All the old ones came true. Proceeds support causes like the Cheryl Ackeson Ion Awards, giving cash awards recognizing and encouraging independent off-narrative reporting by college students and professionals. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.